0: Hello, welcome to Gritty Leaders Club podcast, episode 23, Leadership, Nature or Nurture. Ian, hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, loving the weather, loving the fact the Euros have started, not so sure about the cricket, but getting out in the sunshine, the mood's lifted, love the summer Ben. love it
0: it does feel good doesn't it there's a good feeling to the country what do you reckon does this affect small businesses all businesses i felt that when we had the olympics here in the uk that was a high all-round sentiment was great optimism was great people felt good out of work people felt good in work and then the olympics finished and it just got steadily worse and worse and worse and then we had Brexit, and then Trump got elected, which was kind of a negative driver over here at least, and it got worse and worse and worse. And I was kind of thinking, you've got to have a great culture, otherwise whatever's going on outside seeps in. And Mm -hmm. if it's good, if the Olympics is going on, or it's like it is right now, then it gives you a boost. But in between, and it could be six, seven, eight years, you get dragged down. So you've got to have a great culture. But that might just be me. What do you reckon?
1: No, great point. Great point. I think I think the, the businesses who've had, had a conversation about culture, actually, with the group I was working with last Friday and, and how we're bringing people back to work with various views in the room, of course. And I think a lot of companies are looking at people and people who are... As you say, they've been trapped at home, they don't know whether to come back to work, leaders don't know whether to say you need to come back to work or you can work at home. And there's all sorts of confusion I still think going on, but those were the great culture. Those have been clear, lots of communication, clarity, alignment, really good vision, setting it all out, really involving their people, I think are in a better position and this just lifts them further. You know, I think the sunshine, the, the, the sport, the vaccines, you know, there is a good news story around which which leaders should grab.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. And somebody said this I think about their kids and I thought yeah, this works for my kids too, but I think it works also for business, which is we should enjoy going to school or work in the morning. Yeah, we should leap out the door to get to school or work, and then we should leap out of school or work to get back home. We should look forward to going to no. school, we should look forward to getting home. We should look forward to going to work, we should look forward to getting home and maybe that sums it up it's good outside work at the moment let's make sure it's good inside too
1: yeah no i agree you've got i mean you know what what other what other option is there for us as human beings look forward to life you know Mm, all of it yeah all of it every bit of it
0: well i've been looking forward to this leadership Nature or Nurture, this episode suggested by one of our listeners, Emma. So, Emma, thank you very much. Uh, We're going to dive into this in a moment. As always,
1: before we do, Ian, what has your attention? Well, as it's the hottest day of the year so far, I thought I'd talk very briefly about the power of a cold shower. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, there's. it was actually introduced to me, again, I had read a book by this guy called Wim Hof. W A M H O F, also known as the Iceman, for his ability to sit in ice water for long periods of time and his cardiovascular system benefits hugely. And tens of thousands of people have adopted this approach. But just very briefly, it was brought to my attention by a couple of guys who are reading his book, and one of them's now starting to have the, the cold shower and saying it's amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about that. The, the having a cold shower at the end of a hot shower, I start it off at about 15 seconds at the end of your hot shower, then go to 30, then go to a minute, then go to two minutes if you can. I'm now probably up to about 45 seconds. And what he says is why did, why is this good for you? Your vascular system muscles are exercised and activated, which is your arteries and veins. And you've got little muscles in there, which are toned up and it gives you more energy, better overall blood flow. Eventually you stop the shiver response, which is of course what we get normally when we go in a cold shower. And he believes, and he's proved it, and the science will prove it, that actually this is, it builds up your immune system, you have less sickness, as as he calls it, better nutrition to your cells. So I'm trying it, my wife's trying it, and I'm feeling good when I get out. It's a bit hard when you first try it, but on a day like this, give it a go, I would say.
0: Wim Hof, I listened to the book on Audible I think. And I've watched something on on Netflix or YouTube. And he's incredible, isn't he? Yeah. Some of the feats he's pulled off, but it all began with him. You'd find him on a wintry Amsterdam night, lowering himself into a canal for 45 minutes. And he realised he had this stability. There's lots like this, isn't there? Wim Hof, the, what did he call it? The Oh, he just calls it the Wim Hof method, doesn't he? Yeah. About using cold. Intermittent fasting is another. And there's lots in psychology at the moment about doing something regularly mm. to put your body under a bit of stress.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: And, and to put our minds under a bit of stress yeah. as well. Of course, it involves a decision each time to persist, doesn't it? To yeah. do something uncomfortable and to keep going with it for... Uh, a few seconds a minute longer than than you want so there's Mm. a strength strength in there yeah good stuff so well i'll ask you next time how that's going how are you getting on with your one-armed uh press-ups what what were you doing (laughs) while you do your one arm press-ups
1: brushing your teeth brushing my teeth so so
0: now it's a one-arm pressure brushing your teeth in a cold shower
1: i should say to the listeners i am not doing a one-arm press-up that was you telling me that i should be i'm doing two arm press-ups oh don't be modest (laughs) so what's caught your attention ben
0: a quick one from me i watched the formula one a couple of weekends ago it was monaco and bossas had a disastrous pit stop they couldn't get the wheel off he was retired from the race and what I thought was interesting in the post-race interviews, Toto Wolf kind of, in a way, threw him under the bus. He said, Well, Valtteri, he he stopped short. The, the wheel gun had to go on an angle. It's not designed for that. That meant we damaged the nut, we couldn't get it off. You know, and it's a situation where actually causation is complex, right? Yeah, Was the manufacturing of the, the nut or the the axle and the thread, was it correct? What about the gun? Yes, the positioning of the car, but what did the mechanic do? And a ton of other things. Causation is complex. Yet, uncharacteristically, there was this comment and, and Bottas was kind of thrown under the bus. And they're normally so slick and polished. Mm. So I thought that's interesting, this sort of this leakage, this airing of some laundry in in public. and I just noticed it. It might just be a thing or maybe there's more to it. but it got me thinking, here's a question for everybody. How is pressure showing in your team right now?
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was just thinking when you said that because we get caught up in the emotion, don't you in the formula one, you know massive emotion uh, lots at stake. Mm-hmm. And you know, Toto Wolff showing he's human. However, I, I personally don't like the idea of a leader coming out in public and throwing somebody under the bus. It's it's what is what is Valtteri? Is that going to improve his performance at the next Grand Prix? I don't know. Maybe he knows what buttons to press. I don't. I don't particularly like that approach. But I was thinking as you were saying that you know, it's a little tool I've used uh, is the five whys. You know, if you if you want to know whether you know. You, you asked if Valtteri Bottas pulls in slightly short in the pit lane, why? You know, the the, the locking wheel nut contraption thing. I tell I'm technical, can't you? Couldn't quite, <laughs> reach, couldn't quite reach the wheel, why? The mechanics uh, were upset, why? You know, you've got to keep asking, haven't you? Where did this come from? Where's the root cause of this? Because on the face of it, as you say, Valtteri Bottas pulled up short. Is that the reason for this? So there's two things there probably. What is the root cause? Which I'm sure they're doing amazingly in Mercedes to get to get to this if it ever happens again they don't want this to happen again but also how you approach it as a leader
0: Mm, interesting and we don't know you know we we can't jump jump to conclusions but i thought you know how is pressure showing in your team right now
1: great question from the question master
0: (laughs) okay well on to on to topic and we kind of are on topic because you said maybe You know, maybe uh, Toto is showing that he's human. Well, you can't do that as a leader, can you?
1: Yes, you should. (laughs) You should? (laughs) You should. But if you make a cock up as a leader, come out and say, look, I shouldn't have done that. That's fine. Be honest.
0: Leadership, nature or nurture? Are people born leaders or is leadership made? Which is it, Ian? <laughs>
1: Come well, on, let's do this one quickly. Which is it? <laughs> all right. Uh, can I just tell you, it's uh, it's May. There you go. Is that it? Should we stop now?
0: We could do. Well, I, I agree, actually. Well, what do I think if we're going to do the quick answers? One is we could say we are born leaders because, as you know, when I was in my MD role, I said this. Everyone in the company, you're all leaders. Mm-hmm. I think also that there's some born never will lead in a month of Sunday type folk. We'll get on to them later. So there's some born non-leaders. I'll I'll give you that. But leadership is learned. I to- totally agree.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, I, yeah, I think the first thing I thought when Emma put the idea forward, and it, it's a great it's a great question, of course. And and many many people have talked about it, and there's videos on it, and you know everybody who's got involved in leadership in any way, shape, or form has had an opinion on it. And the opinions differ. When I was writing my book, the the big quote that I put right at the beginning of the book was from Warren Bennis, who's, you know, author of 30 leadership books, and he's dead now, unfortunately, but a real pioneer in leadership studies, he said, and this is his quote, the most dangerous leadership myth is that leaders are born, that there is a genetic factor to leadership. That's nonsense. In fact, the opposite is true. Leaders are made rather than born now i think so that that's basically where i stand but i agree with you there are some people who probably should never try and be leader and i think there is a will involved in wanting to be a leader a real will and certainly in, in, in becoming a great leader but i think some people and we'll come on to this i think some people may look like their leadership material and it may be a false dawn for some people. It may it may confuse people as well.
0: Well, for me, the people that cannot be leaders are those with zero self-awareness.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Very good point.
0: Those are the the born non-leaders for me. and And the other side of that, though, is I think we do see people
1: born with a natural ability to influence
0: and inspire,
1: yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, you know, I was reflecting on the fact that when you do personality profiling and different kind of uh, profiling people, you can see people who are natural extroverts, for example, who are shapers in Belbin, you know, high Ds, who might come into the room and have a sort of, you know, what you might call charisma, although I hate that word, but they might have people drawn to them because they're natural extroverts. They talk a lot. They they they, they they look you in the eye and people are drawn to those sorts of people and that can help people enormously I think but the world is split introvert extrovert and I think it's I'm I'm more interested as I would be because I'm an introvert in what what you learn and become de- and becomes deliberate at as a leader and I think that's the fac- that's the thing for a lot of people because these are learned skills as well I don't think you can have sort of personality which will help you you might be born with but then i think you have to learn what is leadership
0: well that for me is the first takeaway we see born influencers born inspirers born charismas Mm. and it gets mistaken for leadership Mm -hmm. it's not it's quite often a leadership quality but leadership
1: is far more than that Yeah. Picking up what you said actually, I think you can be a leader and this is a job for, you know, the CEO, the SLT in an organization. And I often say to people, look and see where your where your leaders are in the business. Because your leaders will be all over the place. They'll be the people who other people look to for a sense and a guidance over where we're going, who look for them, say, what's going on at the top? You know, what's the communication? Then they, they tend to be natural, you know, positive people who are, if you like, translating automatically what you say at the top about where you're going as a business. So you can find these people all across the business, these leaders, and you, can, you need to nurture them and, and develop them and grow them and, and give them some more skills around what they might have developed reasonably naturally and the reverse can also be true. People at the top, you know, so you can, you can put manager on the door. You can be promoted to be a manager. You can't really be promoted to be a leader. It's something that you want to do, that you, you develop skills around and you become.
0: Well, this is exactly why I always say that every single person in the organization is a leader. Mm-hmm. And it can be as simple as the colleague that in the larger organization, you don't really know well, But it so happens that they're working in the office on the same day as you and you arrive slightly dragging your feet, fraught after the the journey, whatever it is, Mm. and they greet you and Mm. they get you a glass of water and they spend five minutes and they get you out of that state and into a resourceful, productive, cared for state. Well, that little intervention, that's leadership.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's taking responsibility, isn't it? One of the things about leadership stepping up. So where do we go with this, Ben? What about, are we going to define, why don't we define a little bit, a little little bit about what we're talking about as, as leadership here? Sure. Well,
0: we just talked about, I think, uh, behind some of your words there, Ian, were that a leader has to have vision.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's a part of it definitely a part of it I was thinking back to episode 10 I think it was lazy leadership oh yeah yeah and I think it was in our discussion then that I arrived at my definition of leadership which is to create conditions for success Mm -hmm. you need vision for that of course because you need some vision of what success looks like and then our job as leaders is to create conditions for success so i still like that definition because it operates at every level yeah you know whatever it takes
1: i agree i agree i think it is, it is a job for a leader because that encompasses so much doesn't it conditions for success i think whilst i don't like charisma i do believe leaders have got to got to show some passion perhaps a bit of inspiration They've got to show they believe in where we're going. To me, there's an emotional aspect of leadership where you've got to get off the rational side and say, I believe in this. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. You've got to show that sort of degree of passion around something. And I think that is that is infectious. I can't think of any leaders that I admire who don't really show a bit of passion about what they're doing.
0: This for me is is part of authentic leadership. It involves saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. Whatever this might be, whether this is leadership in an organization, whether it's in a moment of crisis, or whether it's in prosperity and we're leading towards bright, bright future and great culture and all of these things. Part of being authentic as a leader is saying, "This is me. I'm going to do this."
1: Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. It's got you've got to put a, put your cards on the table as a leader. I think. I think the other big chunk, and I may have talked about this before, but look, you know, looking leaders can do a very simple exercise look at themselves, look at 100% of how they spend their time, and then say, well, where am I spending my time? And then they can start to you know, understand a bit more about leadership and say, well, that might be in the wrong places because we tend to default to where we're comfortable. But one of the big chunks of a leader's time I see is developing others, you know, this engaging, developing, empowering others around them. And that can be through coaching, it can be through mentoring, that can be through running great meetings, that can be through praising people in the corridor. But there's a huge chunk of a leader's time needs to be spent in developing the top team and developing others in the business.
0: Well, okay. well, let me take that up even another level, Ian. Leadership is about others. Now, one of the rabbit holes we could go down here is the difference between leadership and management. Mm Mm-hmm. That's easy. We manage tasks. We lead people. That's the difference.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we need both. I mean, we need both. I mean, I think the one thing to remember as a as as a lead, as a person in an organization who's getting them, who's being promoted up the organization, we get trained a lot in management stuff, like you know processes and systems and budgeting and structuring and. And so on, and 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 management to some extent is about control and implementation, and we get trained in a lot of that stuff. But as we go further up the organisation, we have to delegate some of that stuff and, and 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 understand what leadership is. And this is the transition that you slowly take on as you move into more and more leadership roles. And I think it's it's really hard for some people because le- leadership's less defined. You know, as a guy I was listening to last week who said that he started reading a lot more. I'm sure we'll come on to this, you know, Covey, sharpen the saw, you leaders have got to constantly be learning. And he said, so he started reading in the office at his desk and people would come in and say, oh, I can see you're not busy. Can I, can I ask you a question? And he absolutely would sit them down and say, I am busy. This is what leaders also do is they learn. So it's less defined in a sense. Leaders have to allocate time to thinking strategically, to stepping back, to gaining perspective, to reading, to learning. So there's an awful, awful lot of stuff which can be confusing for some people on the way up that leadership tower, that leadership journey, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's really ambiguous. And this is one of the ways I think that we know that leaders are not born.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: If we think of leaders at the top in business, let's forget about all of the other realms of leadership and think just about business. Already, I think we see three clearly different types of leader. You've got your entrepreneurial startup leader, quite often the founder of an organization, great energy, great vision, get it moving, just push through problem after problem after problem and success after success after success. We recognize those. We know lots of those. Yeah. At the other end of the spectrum, but quite similar, the turnaround leader, it's all gone wrong, Uh comes in to straighten it out, put it back on the straight and narrow. And in the middle, perhaps, we've got this sort of very professional, steady leader. You know, the organization is doing okay, it's growing it's got a following wind, it's going to scale. And we need a very steady, inclusive sort of leadership. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think we see quite a few of these in the public eye, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And yet quite a lot of listed companies have these sorts of leaders. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then it's easy to spot, of course, the company that needs to turn around. And as new companies emerge and catch the, the headlines, we see the the entrepreneurial founder, CEO types but three completely different types of leader there and and I don't know anyone that can do all three of those and if if leadership was a born skill then surely we wouldn't need all three surely that born leader would turn their hand to be the leader that is required so I think this is this is kind of evidence actually that leaders build their skill sets it's built through experience and depending on where they started and how they developed their senior leadership career, they become a particular type of leader. It's because it's learned
1: so i think this is interesting because sometimes you don't know as a leader how you're going to respond to a new situation so a crisis comes up you lose a big client competition rears its head pricing doesn't seem to work what how do you respond in those situations and i think one of the things about leaders is surround themselves with people who aren't like them who think differently so it can become a team effort and i think you see great leaders with amazing teams the danger with some leaders you see is that they they believe they're better than the team, they're higher than the team, and they kind of, you get a bit of a vacuum between them and the team. And that's not a a good way of of being, although the ultimate CEO, the ultimate leader is often there is a slight difference in in the way they are. So I think, you know, it is interesting as to whether you you can change your approach. The other thing that I found fascinating, I remember listening to a chap speaking about leadership a while ago, and he, he was talking to a bunch of CEOs in the audience, There's was about 500 um, CEOs of, of SMEs, small and medium-sized uh, businesses, and, and he said, don't ever think when you're running a small business that you can't run a big business. He said, my experience, and this was a, you know, a top guy, he said, Most of, I can think of tons of people, and we all can actually, you just gotta look at people like Steve Jobs, who started a business in a garage, You know or phil knight who started selling training shoes out of the back of his car who became the ceo of nike or jeff bezos or etc you could go on and on these guys have started small they've probably not known a lot about leadership they've been passionate about a product or what they want to do with their lives and they've learned as they've gone along and they've made loads of mistakes that's the fascinating thing about leadership and you've got to own up and say that that wasn't good but i think the point i want to make there is you don't think because you can run a small business reasonably well that you have a limit necessarily on where you can take this
0: i totally agree however many do have that limit and it's why we get that entrepreneurial ceo and the steady professional ceo and the turnaround ceo because people hit those limits i agree they don't need to and some some naturally or maybe purposefully get through those those barriers. In amongst all of that, you talked about the moments of not knowing. Mm. That, for me, is perhaps the essential point of this discussion, the moments of not knowing for, for, for two reasons. One is, if we're going to spot a, a leader quickly in a group of people, What I'd look for, and I'll borrow someone else's words here, if you can keep your head when others are losing theirs, that's the person that I think probably has great leadership Mm -hmm. potential. Mm -hmm. And I connect that with what you're saying. Leadership is a series of these unplanned, unanticipated moments of not knowing what to do. And in that moment... Being able to find the way Mm.
1: forward—that's
0: what leadership is. And back to our question, Emma's question: Are leaders born or made? leadership is learned through experience. Mm -hmm. How do Mm. we develop leaders? We give them experience. Yeah, we put them in in situations, and of course, stuff's going to come up that's unanticipated and that's where they develop their leadership they find a good way forward they they create the conditions for success in that moment
1: yeah and that's that going back to an earlier point that i just want to build on which is the leader of a business will look to develop the next group of leaders because they're not going to be around forever and they want other people really strong in leadership around them the the only way they do that is to develop them so If you've been developed as a leader and you've grown and you've uh, got experience by the time you become the CEO or the head of a division or a department, it's probably a bit learnt on your own. But also looking back and saying, I had a great mentor here. I had a great guy who helped me or girl who helped me develop some skills here, who put me in a situation where there was no guaranteed outcome and they saw me swim and occasionally make a mistake and they supported me and they helped me through it. And those experiences stay with you. I remember joining a company years ago, 96, and walking in to see the CEO in the first day. And he said to me, next week, you're going to go out to Amsterdam. Those are the days we could fly easily. And you're going to run a session with IBM, 30 senior managers. Now, I didn't even really know much about the business I was joining. It was day one. And so for that week, I had to immerse myself in the the product I was working with, the people I was going to be working with, how to run it. I had sleepless nights. I really stretched myself. I got to Amsterdam. I probably didn't sleep a wink the night before. I got up, I ran this session with another guy and we ran it really well and I came away and that was an absolute pivotal moment in that company, which I eventually became MD of. and. But he trusted me. He saw something there. He put me in a position and I came through it. And I think that's what leaders have got to do a little bit of. They've got to find some really challenging experiences for people and put them in them.
0: Yeah, two great points. I think we need to be careful about this piece about providing great mentors, great coaches. I agree. You and I do this full time the coaching bit, not the mentoring bit, where we both take a coaching approach. However, the the coaching brief from Hell is when a CEO turns up and says, Hey, can you develop this person over here as a leader, please? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, of course I can. I can I can help with that. And then you discover that they haven't given them a challenge. Mm -hmm. They haven't created a situation where this emerging leader has something to achieve. They've kept them in their comfort zone.
1: Yeah, great, great point.
0: You know, we can do a bit of coaching there. Of course, of course we can. We can point them towards some some great resources. But probably my first coaching intervention is going to be, well, okay, well, what are you going to do?
1: Exactly. You know? and, you, and, you know, to, to, to the points we're making here, one of the things about leadership is a leader's got to understand what coaching is because coaching as a leader is really a great skill to have leaders have got to understand what mentoring is, because mentoring as a leader is a really great skill to have. And not everyone is is particularly good at it or adapts to it well, but again, it's one of those things, and I've introduced a mentoring program in a business recently, and it's having huge benefits for those who now understand what mentoring is, who are leaders, and for those who who are mentees in the business who are now developing massively.
0: Well, this is a good example of something you can learn as hmm. a developing leader. You can pick up Ken Blanchard's book, Situational Leadership, and it talks about exactly that's that point that leadership is situational. And in some situations, we need to tell people what to do. In other situations, we need to teach people what to do. In other situations, still we coach them in what to do. And then finally, in the fourth, Category of situation we delegate or empower. Yeah. Situational leadership. Yeah. So we we can learn frameworks uh, like this, but leadership is learned through experience. We can do as much coaching, we can read, consume as many books, we can do an MBA. But if we're not gathering those experiences, testing experiences, we're never going to make it in in our leadership journey. So, so it's it's got to be a demanding journey, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, as, you, as I think we've said before, this piece about you know, are you in the stands or on the pitch? You know, and leadership's got to be learnt on the pitch. Mm. You know, you you can you can read all the books in the world, but you've actually got to go and try it and see what happens, and then you learn from that and you think, I could have done that better. What have I? What have I learned from that? And I think self-reflection is a really strong thing for leaders where they can walk away from a situation, perhaps ask a few other people, but also walk away very honestly from a meeting or from a pitch or anything they did and walk away and think, how did that go? What What can I learn from that? How can I improve the way I'm doing that? Well, we'll get on
0: to how do we make better leaders? How do leaders make themselves better? In, in a moment, and my number one, in fact, probably my only point on that will be become truly self-aware. Mm-hmm. Before we go there, let's spend a bit of time on the, the pitfalls. We've already talked about confusion and confusing charisma or extroversion as leadership or as somebody to follow. Mm-hmm. That's, one of, that's one of the pitfalls. It's not about that. One of the other pitfalls I'd like to touch on is 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 being authentic as a leader Mm -hmm. this trips up so many people in so many ways i think people know they're meant to be authentic right Mm -hmm. but they don't really know often i think what what that means but yeah let's talk of the the most visible failings we get politicians Mm. and They're rocking on, they're elected, they're doing their politician thing. And meanwhile, there's a journalist digging around and they come up with that deep, dark secret, that joint of pots smoked, that person in their team, ill-treated, you know, and suddenly the veil is dropped. You know, and this wonderful, charismatic leader is revealed as actually not doing any of the things that mm-hmm. they preach and in fact being quite the opposite
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know so if we're if we're not authentically as leaders that can happen you know and that's a real danger i think of trying to learn leadership you know, we learn about influence. We learn about vision. We learn about all of these things. We construct it beautifully, as politicians so often do. Yeah. Yeah, and then someone burrows round and produces the inconvenient truth of us doing the polar opposite.
1: Yeah. So just just to clarify for listeners here, Ben, mm. um, you're doing your best as a leader. You've been take your example of a politician. And, uh, people are saying, well, this guy's pretty good, or this lady's pretty good. And, uh, then the press find out something that when you're at university, you, you were smoking weed and guess what? You've just been talking about the fact that you don't think that, you know, you think that young people shouldn't be doing this and it leads to, leads to harder drugs and so on and so forth. What do you do? You're that politician. What's authentic leadership?
0: Well, it all depends doesn't it? What's happened in in between? It might be that you have been revealed, in which case more is going to come out of the woodwork and your your history. (laughs) (laughs) Or it might be that that was 25 years ago and you have learned and it's one of those experiences that have built you, in which case you tell your story and if there's some owning up to be done, there's some apologising to be done, there's some accepting responsibility to be done. You do all of those things mm. and you tell your story so that people can understand you're no longer that person and you are the person that you've campaigned, you've set yourself out to, to be. So it depends. And in those examples, there's many, many intervening years. The more awkward ones, I think, are you know when you have a current politician. Sorry, politicians, you're, you're kind of we're throwing you under the bus this morning, you have a current, (laughs) current politician, and they're shown to be a bully in their team.
1: Mm, mm,
0: mm. Yeah, because that's right here. That's right now. It's pretty hard to explain the way. Mm. So if you want to commit Harry Carrey as a, as a leader, that's a good way to, to set it up. The other bit about authentic leadership though, and you know, in a far more humble thing that I come across frequently with both emerging leaders and established leaders, is they think it means that they've got to say how they feel. Mm -hmm. So they get into some sort of conflict, disagreement situation, or some problem going on in the business. And they think it means that they've got to say, well, you screwed that up, you're wrong, or you're not being fair, or this or that or the other, because that's what's going through their mind. That's what they're experiencing right there, right then in the moment. Or, you know, I'm really annoyed by this, whatever it might be.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: When actually authentic leadership is not that at all. Authentic leadership is knowing your values and the values of the organization. And if, for example, we value getting to the heart of an issue and Mm -hmm. really understanding it, and finding the best way forward. Well, authentic means to remember that value. Mm. And instead of saying all of those things about how we're feeling, to say, all right, let's take stock here. None of us wanted this. I'm feeling pretty awful about it. I know you are as well. However, what's important to us here is to really understand the the issue fully and find a good way forward. Mm. So actually, as a leader, we push aside those feelings that are of the moment. Maybe we signpost them. Mm. Yeah, Maybe we say, oh, do you know what? This is such a setback. I think it could have been avoided. I'm emotional about this right now. So I think what we should do is we should call it quits for today, all of us. Take the evening off, come back in the morning, fresh minds, good night of sleep, And we're going to work out now how to move on Mm. from from this, we won't indulge, you know, these unhelpful feelings of the moment, we'll go and deal with those appropriately. Mm. um, Because authentic leadership is choosing our own values and the organisation values and making sure they match, by the way,
1: Mm.
0: and being authentic to those. And this, I think,
1: can be a real pitfall of leadership. I, I think it's interesting. I think this is where yeah, intro, introverts score because I think one of the things leaders <clears> do really well is they provide context and perspective. When we go down a rabbit hole as a leadership team, when we're getting emotional over things, great leaders can say, "Let's step back a moment. Let's look at let's look at this from where we were." Let's, so they provide more of a context around a discussion point, a perspective around a discussion point. And introverts are natural reflectors. Who think more deeply about something before they're going to say it, so they kind of they're supported by having that that trait, if you like, whereas extroverts want to put it straight out there. So there's a challenge for both, you know, both types in a sense. But one of the other things I was thinking, of as you were speaking was also the, you know, we talked about the kind of the myths, the the the, the traps of looking at a, a leader and saying, well, that's a leader. And again, I was told a story recently about a chap who who was on the board of a very big multinational. And they were looking at their values and they were seeing a leader of one part of this multinational who was a very egocentric driving leader who created great performance KPIs in his part of the business. But he completely dissed the values, didn't live, live any of them. People were in fear of this person. So what did they do? Got rid of him straight away. Mm-hmm. And it sent shockwaves through the business. And in his words, the performance bounced even higher than it had been because people looked at that that leader as a role model and said, we've been talking about these values for ages and now you've proved to me that they exist. And that's that's a real quality of a leader. And also you have been able to, and one of the hardest things about leadership is having honest conversations with people. And they had a really honest conversation with this person and they removed him from the business as soon as they could. That's Mm -hmm. leadership.
0: Because... If not, somewhere further down the line, it's going to get pointed out. Well, hang on. You can't tell us that because 18 months ago, this was going on. Yeah. And it's completely opposite. And that person is still here. Exactly. So ha- how can you tell me this? Exactly. You know, and that's a dead end. That's a dead end. All right. <laughs> good, good. So, Ian, how do we make better leaders? How do leaders make themselves better?
1: Yeah, that's, that's. I think that's that's the key question for me. I think leaders have to, as Kobe said, constantly sharpen the saw. Great leaders never stop learning and never believe they're, you know, the full thing. You can always become a better leader tomorrow. You've got to put yourself into situations that demand that you try things on the pitch that you're put into a situation that's gonna stretch you, where you don't know the outcome. You know, that's the that's the definition of vulnerability from Brené Brown. You know, putting yourself in a position where you don't really know what the outcome's gonna be and having a go at it. And I think leaders gotta learn through experience, as we've said already. So I think you've gotta learn a lot. You've gotta constantly learn from others. You've gotta look for great people. I mean, the one thing about, we talked about mentors and coaches. It doesn't always have, have come from the top. You can look at people and say, I think you're a great leader can I spend some time with you you know can I have lunch with you occasionally can I learn from you would you mind that and create uh, a mentor mentee relationship with people so I think it never stops and but to me I mean I don't want to make this out as some really awful thing that you know you 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 have to keep you can make mistakes and it's really difficult and it is all those things but I always want to say great leaders get huge rewards from the people they see being developed, from the companies they build, from the organizations they just see grow. So there's huge rewards in doing this well.
0: Mm, Yeah, well, I, I agree. It's learned through experience. It's learned on the pitch. On the pitch, we discover, can we keep our head when others are losing theirs? Having done that, we find the way forward. It's an unfinished masterpiece as well. So I agree with with all of these things. So I'm going to answer completely differently then. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it begins with self-leadership. It begins with self-leadership. And a concept I found challenging when I came across it years ago, whenever I did, what does it even mean, starting with self-leadership? Well, let's turn that into... Let's turn that into a question and write this down folks and see where it takes you. Who am I as a leader? Hmm. I think that is a great question for any leader, whether they're emerging or whether they've got decades of experience. There's always learning to be done. Who am I? as a leader. In fact, I, I run a short program about this, so I might remember to tell you about it in a minute. But who am I as a leader would be the one question that I, I would give people. But how do we how do we make better leaders? Well, on the shoulders of, of that question, perhaps, I think it's about becoming truly self aware. Mm-hmm. Am I really accepting this leadership responsibility? Am I in service? of what's to be achieved here? Am I creating conditions working, striving to create conditions of success? Or do I have some other motive? Yeah, that, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. But be truly self aware. How are you seeing things? Are you objective? Are you judgmental? How are you responding in the moment? Be super self aware, ask for 360 feedback. Mm -hmm. and ask in times of adversity as well as prosperity Mm -hmm. and ask the people that you feel you lead poorly as well as the people that you feel you lead well and ask the people that are on the periphery as well as in the the center and ask how did i do last month when that was going on Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so gather a ton of a ton of feedback because by developing our, our self awareness and coaching, or any other reflective intervention, could be could be great for that. By developing our self awareness and gathering uh, a bunch of feedback, that's how we can start to lead ourselves. That's how we can say, "Well, okay, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to show up this week? How am I going to show up to create conditions for success? How am I going to show up for for my colleagues?" And that's where leadership, I think, really really begins and if we're doing that i think the other thing follows naturally it's demanding but it follows naturally because once we're aware we have to adapt mm-hmm. exactly have to become <clears throat> flexible
1: yeah no great point absolutely great point so uh, should we wrap this up Ben? lots i mean it's a, it's a great subject isn't it and we could go on uh, for a long time but this is reaching a conclusion i think and you've made some great points there about You know, this self-reflection about being truly self-aware, asking the listeners a great question, I think, which is always helpful. So how would you how would you wrap up from your perspective what we've been talking about today? What's the what's the key point for you?
0: (laughs) Well, maybe I should give people a place to go with that question. Who am I as a leader? Hmm. And I would look for four parts in the answer. What is it you uniquely bring to your leadership role? Nice. You know, is that experience? Is that belief in where we're going and confidence? Is that fantastic influencing skills and the ability to to inspire? Know that. What is it that you uniquely bring? That's one. What do you want to achieve? Number two, nice and simple. What do you want to achieve? Number three, how are you going to do that? What's mm. your chosen approach? How are you going to go about it? What's your style, if you like, for the task that lays ahead? So that, that's three. The, the fourth, then, is, is completely different. <laughs> and it stands on the shoulders of a different question, which mm. is, what's your Achilles heel? as a leader. Mm. Takes a bit of self awareness, or feedback to to know that what's your Achilles heel as a leader, and having become aware of it? What's the behaviour that you need to prioritise in those moments to stay effective?
1: Right. So those
0: four things, what do you need unique, uniquely bring? What do you want to achieve? How are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. And what's your Achilles heel and the behaviour and the behaviour that's going to guard against that, and these for me, if you can begin to answer those four, you're getting towards who you are as a leader, and you'll develop quickly. And there's a ton of stuff we can we can add in to help and help and develop that. And you asked me to to sum up, and I've been avoiding doing that, so I'll do it, I'll do it now. I think of all of the things that I jotted down as we've been talking, as I was thinking in advance on the shoulders of Emma's good question, you know, is leadership nature or nurture, I'm going to come back to somebody else's words, if you can keep your head when others are losing theirs, I think that's a that's a giant part of, yeah. of
1: leadership. What about you, Ian? Very good. I just say two things. Two bits of advice, really, which I think you know I was given. I think they're very important for others. Never stop learning. You should always be reading a book, be on the podcast. Of course, this is a great place to start. Audible books, uh, people who you can speak to. So you never stop learning as a leader. And, and reflecting is a huge part of that, as you say, and adapting. And the other thing is, I'd say, all great leaders pretty much will tell you that they've been influenced heavily by a mentor or a coach in their lives to help them on that journey so i'd say reach out and try and find one depending on where you are it might uh, again get, go and look up the difference between the mentor on a coach and figure out what you feel you need what you'd like perhaps have both but i'd say never stop learning and and get some help along the way
0: totally don't let leadership be a lonely
1: journey exactly
0: never ever ever do that it's learned on the pitch so get yourself on the pitch and once you're on the pitch surround yourself with the people that are gonna help you, enable you to
1: be successful. Great. Brilliant. Job done. Thank yep. you, Ian. Yeah, that was good. That was a really great conversation. Love that conversation. Any questions like Emma's, come back and tell us. We love your questions. We love your thoughts. We love your ideas. And uh, look forward to seeing you very soon, Ben.
0: Look forward to seeing you soon, Ian. So yes, questions on LinkedIn or email at ben at ben ian you're ian at ianwindle.com so let's have your questions and do that thing that podcast listeners do give us a great review we really appreciate (laughs) that and we'll see you back here in two weeks time see you soon see you in